Today, Robin, I talk about uh, Adam Newman, flow, and realtor numbers. Let's get going. This is Industry Relations, a podcast that's at the intersection of real estate and technology from an insider's perspective with Rob Hahn and Greg Robertson. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to announce our inaugural sponsor of the Industry Relations podcast, Note Router. Um, Note Router was launched back in 2018 by Nick Goff. And they have the mission of reconnecting real estate. Um, Note Router is an all-in-one email and texting platform designed exclusively for real estate. Uh, Note Router syncs with your membership database to make communicating with your members easier and more effective. Believe me, your staff is going to love you for this. If you're an association or MLS and you want to do a better job with communicating with members, really look no further. Um, they've just launched a brand new website. It looks fantastic, by the way. I'll put the URL in the show notes. It's noterouter.com. Go there, take a look. You'll find everything you need. Once again, thank you, Nick. Thank you uh, to everybody at Note Router for sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast. Rob and I truly appreciate your, your support. Hello, everybody. and Welcome to another episode. It's that time of the week uh, of the Industry Relations Podcast. This is your co-host, the notorious Rob, Rob Hahn. And with me is the officially changed name, fabulous Greg Robertson. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so I told myself, I was, I started saying that, um, well, welcome to Rob Ola, um, that if, if I got more than 10 people call me the fabulous, come up and, and reference that, <laughs> I would have to change something. And, my, and, and also, it, it also, um, and this is my Twitter handle. My Twitter handle currently or, or was Zillow can't smell the cat. And this is right. just, a lot, just a funny saying that I've heard, you know, talking about how algorithms can't do everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. But not a lot of people got that too. So it's, <laughs> it was maybe time to make a change. So, but, yeah. uh, so I, I officially changed my Twitter handle to the. So uh, was it more than 10 people? So I have to ask, what, did more than 10 people come up to you and say, yeah, hey, uh, yeah, the fabulous. Yeah. All right. Or email or text or whatever or something. Just to, <laughs> here. So, I mean, as far as it being like to me, self-deprecating, that's it just I, I'm, I'm saying it with a tongue in cheek there. So, it's, uh, hey, man, I don't know why it needs to be tongue in cheek. I think you should change your speaker bio going forward, you know. <laughs> So when we go to uh, the Las Vegas event, I expect that they will introduce you as the fabulous Greg Robertson. <laughs> well, Vegas, <laughs> obviously, you need a moniker like that, right? Um, I will say, a real, just to, before we get started, kind of a funny story. Um, I mean, we've all, I think both of you have heard of some of our listeners who, they're in the car and they listen to yeah. us and they're yelling at the car stereo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because... <laughs> Probably because of something you said. Not I was going to say, probably not at you. I, I don't know how many people are yelling <laughs> at you. You know, but I actually had somebody I won't mention their names that was in the car and had to call me on my phone. <laughs> You're both wrong. I would. I don't remember what it was, but they just had to get it off their chest. And, and you know, it just it just my phone wonder. in their in their in their mobile phone, and I was the one that called. You know, it makes me wonder. Like seriously, man. Like we really should be thinking about doing a live show so they could just like call in and yell at us or me or you or whatever, you know, like, yeah. well, but I, don't I, don't know. I don't know when we would do that or how, how that would work. We, I mean, let's put this, we would need a lot more subscribers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in order to do that. Sure. So if you heard this, uh, consider subscribing. Yeah. Hey, look at that. You know, you throw go. that in there, you know, exactly. so uh, we get to, I don't know. What's a good number? Like 3000. Sure. Yeah. If we get 3000 right now, Subscribers on YouTube. I, I know we have that for i for iTunes and downloads. I mean, I don't. You know, again, I, there's a lot of vanity metrics out there, but I mean, you know, let's if you look at it, there's 75 MLSs controlling 1.5 million realtors. Right. I mean, so I, you know, to me, if we can get you know 50 of those 75 people that are involved yeah. in those MLSs or associations or whatever listening, I mean, that's that's a lot of in a lot I, of uh, influence I, yeah. and. And banter back and yeah. forth there. So I'm just saying, if we have enough listeners and we know that there's enough simultaneously, so we could do a live show where we, they could start yelling at us, and uh, it would be it would be fun. It'd be cool. Yeah. So yeah, well, consider speaking subscribing. of live shows, um, we are going to take this a little bit live next week. That's right. Uh, this is going to be in um, in Las Vegas. Stephanie Hill is doing their, um, I guess they call it their you know their tech MLS tech fair. That's and right. Rob and I are going to be on stage. Um, That's right. And the, I don't know, does, 
uh, Rick, what, what does Rick, uh, Rich call himself? Oh God, big, big, big Richie, I think. Yeah, something like yeah. that. And he's yeah. going to be a, a director of MLS over there. He's going to be moderating it. So we're going to be talking about um, a number of topics. But Stephanie said, the more the merrier. So if you're in Vegas, yeah. you might come see Rob and I live. Please, please come to New Orleans. Yeah. Oh, we'll put the, uh, the, um, information in the show notes and uh, that's next friday the 26th i think it is is that right it, yep it will be fun yeah so and uh, you should come to vegas anyways it's lovely here right now you know okay, yeah there you go. pool seasons and full swings so come yeah, on pool seasons on, also on the streets i've heard of vegas with, uh, well that was last two, two weeks ago oh okay yeah now it's yeah that's fine. straight sunshine we need the rain man we need the rain oh that's true that's true yeah um right, so. okay so i wanted to talk about this i don't know if you're you know interested in this but um i just think it's damn fascinating is yeah. um flow yes if you haven't read about it it's a new company um started by adam newman who is famously from uh we work yep um there's a couple there's a few documentaries out there i think i the one that i saw was a drama station called we crashed yeah <laughs> and it was with Jer Gerard or Jared Leto, yes, playing Adam Newman, and I'd love that. Me and my wife watched that together. We loved it. Um, there's a scene in it where she's really into kind of like this empowering thing, and before big meetings, she would say to to Adam, like, "You are a supernova, or you're my supernova." Mm -hmm. And uh, very uh, again, ironically or um, teasingly, my wife sometimes calls me supernova. So, ah, do we need to change your name already? From yeah, exactly. Exactly. But so, so, you know, I, I know, and you know, we had a little conversation about this offline that, you know, you're saying we don't know a lot of details here, but yeah. the details that we do know are it's a, it's a play that Newman is bring coming into the residential real estate space. This is a prop tech play. Yeah. Um, it's about a little bit of a rental to ownership play to it. It's a potentially, potentially that was, okay, we don't know for everything, yeah. but that, that's yeah. something they did mention. Um, and that's something, uh, it's also the biggest investment that, uh, Anderson, uh, Horowitz has made or yeah. is Adreesen. Yeah. Adreesen, Adreesen, yeah, sorry. Adreesen. Yeah. Was it six? Z 350 million, I believe. 300, 360 million. And, uh, also, um, you know, it got Adreesen to actually write a blog about it. And, you know, mm -hmm. he's famously kind of stopped writing and tweeting for a while, but mm -hmm. he actually, you know, wrote the introductory blog to it. And he's going to be on the board of that. I mean, so. Yep. So Adreesen Horowitz, I mean, if or A sixteen A Z or whatever they call it. A sixteen Z. A sixteen Z now. I mean, they're as far as the VC world, they're like the Catholic Church. Yeah. I mean, it's like they're, that's they're you cost. are you are bona fide. You know, it's like dominus ominous. Yeah. You're yeah. you are the thing. Now, first of all, you know, he had mentioned in his thing, like, you know, they like founders that learned from previous <laughs> not, not so good experiences. I mean, this is I don't know what you what you would call yeah. WeWork, but I mean spectacular fail um you know whatever it is i mean just a lot of a lot of drama there this guy's yeah. i don't know if he's a a cult leader or uh you know a disruptor or whatever but he, you know this is this is a true disruptor um that is coming into the business here of resident real estate um and i'm i mean at first i'm like this is just the craziest thing the guy must be a hypnotist but um <laughs> but as, as more and more i'm kind of you know as it's settling in i'm like i'm getting kind of fascinated about this and again, details are sparse, but it sounds like to me, like you join this kind of community, you're going to be an equity share of this community. You can maybe spend six months here living in this, in this kind of curated environment where they are going to promote inner, you know, communal living. Uh, he famously, Adam knew, and I know this from the, the movie I saw, he was a, he grew up in a kibbutz. I think that's, that's the right thing. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, and, and for for lack of a better word, a commune, right? But yep. and having and that's a, a big thing about WeWork. Um, but you know, because we you know we all work from home, where where is community coming from, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing is is that they were very high in design. So when you went to a WeWork facility, it was like really cool, right? So you're going to go into these places that are already designed for you. Yeah, you can hop from city to city if you're part of this whole network. Yeah, so it, it creates a communal atmosphere there, and that's all the kind of things I'm just really divining from the blog post some of the stuff that i'm reading yeah um, and i think he's he's i don't know what to i mean i think he's an interesting person i don't know again if i would give him that much money but there's no there's no 
arguing the guy has, has culturally changed, right? Um, this co-working spaces and the things there. I mean, that's a real thing. That a little happened. bit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I think in, in, in the world that we live in, there's, there's been several guys that um, have changed the way we do things, but they had to break a lot of dishes or break a lot of eggs to make that omelet. I mean, I'm, I'm also thinking of uh, Uber's co-founder, co-founder yeah. Travis, right? I mean, yeah. he changed definitely the way, you know, um, you could argue we changed the way we, we kind of get transportation as far as whatever. But, sure. hey, I just took a cab from the airport last night. It was clean. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fast, the, the, mm-hmm. you know, and it was very convenient. And I think that's <laughs> Uber's great, but it's made the cab industry a lot, whole lot better than it right, was right. before, right? Right. Um, and I think that's the same thing with like what Adam Newman did with WeWork. I mean, but those two founders have been famously kind of ostracized for right. things. Um, and I'm sure we could go down a list of other type of things that make these disruptions happen. So as, as more and more I'm thinking about it, I'm, I'm wondering what a guy like that could do to the residential real estate space. And we'll, we'll find out, I guess. I guess we'll find out. I mean, like my one thing is we just don't know enough about flow, right? Yeah. I mean, the little drips and drabs, and I've been reading up on it a little bit. I'm trying to dig out what I can. Um, and yeah, there's this hint of potentially somehow converting renters into owners, right? But there have been a, there's a bunch of companies out there that are talking about that or they've been working on it. Yeah, yeah. And none of them got $350 million from A16Z. So... Maybe there's something you know in uh, in the business pitch deck, right? Oh, I'd um, love to see that guy speak. It. I'd love to be sure. in the room for that one, sure. right? And somebody, I, I want to say, wear shoes. No, there was there was an interesting interview from like a few years back. I want to say it was Rich Barton was mm-hmm. being interviewed uh, in some event and was asked by Adam Newman and said something about I would not let my wife be in a room with him or something like that. Oh, that's how charismatic he was. Yeah, apparently that's how charming yeah. and charismatic you know, yeah. Adam Newman is. So, okay, I've never met the man. I don't know him, you know, so I'm sure he is a remarkable personality. Having said that, I think the one place I'll, I'll just kind of look at the question is, did WeWork really change the way that we work? I don't think it has. In other words, WeWork comes along. It, look, and I and I agree with you. It's high-end designs, has this community vibe, blah, blah, blah. But it's like Regis existed for years and years before that, right? And the idea of like executive suites and co-working existed before WeWork, right? So did it really revolutionize the way that uh, office is done or how people work? I'm not, I'm not sure. I think co-working spaces, I mean, you, you mentioned Regis, but those are, those are places like New York or, you know, kind of some city hubs. I mean, that the people I know that have gone and, you know, for a little short time because they're making changes to go to another building or whatever and gone the WeWork, um, just rave about that experience, right? I mean, it may not be profitable for the business. <laughs> we have to see what ha- that happens on there. But, um, yeah. you know, I don't think there was, I, I can't, I mean, I've, you know, so I started my first company in 1992. And, you know, it was a traditional, you get your own building or we at first like rented a couple offices out of us, out of another yeah. company that needed some extra yeah. money. Sub-lease, was, there was no choice that I knew. I wouldn't think of like starting a company at Regis. That was more of a, you know, I'm a, an, a lawyer just trying to start up or, you know, get something going on. I mean, that, that whole community concept is like, uh, I had no idea in the last, you know, from let's say 1992 to, to 2005 that something like that was available. And I, I don't know if I was starting a company now that that wouldn't be a good um, a, a place to start for sure mm-hmm. um, to get something going on. Right. Cause it, it is, yeah. I mean, I, I've talked about this before. I don't like working from home. I'd rather be in an office. I'd rather would be with people and, and have that kind of electricity there. Um, and I think there's, there's something we are all missing because of that. But um, mm-hmm. I certainly get why other people, you know, love it, love working from home. It's just not my, it's not my not vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to me, just, just again, saying that again, like there was nothing like that available that I knew when starting the companies that I've started. So, and I know that there's a lot of companies out there that are, they're doing that kind of thing now. So I think it's, I think it's a bigger deal than you're letting it off to be, but uh, look, I, it might be, maybe like, like I said, I don't know. I'm, I am a fan of the co-working space movement. I don't know if we work was the, the one who pioneered it or simply just like did it at scale the best. 
Right. right. So that, that's just number one. It, it's but, like you know, any idea. Sometimes it just takes a little bit of tweak to really make that thing go. Sure. Right? I, I guess I'm just comparing it to Uber. Like right. WeWork versus Uber. Uber was like, holy crap. You know, it's just like Airbnb, you know. Yeah. I don't I don't know if I put WeWork in the same disruptive level as right. that is all I'm getting at, right? I'm not so having said that, you look at flow, what we know about it so far, right? is it sounds like a property management play that's borrowing heavily from the WeWork sort of playbook, right? Meaning it's a community. So it talks a lot about this community, yeah, yeah. you know, high-end design, you know, all this stuff. And I keep thinking about it. I'm like, okay, so who is this for, right? Like who is the ideal target customer for Flow, right? And I guess what I sort of came to was it's for people who really don't need Flow, it's for wealthy, young, urban professionals, right? I don't know about the wealthy part. I mean, you know, wealth to me is a different word. But I mean, you know, some developers can be making $250,000 a year. That doesn't mean they're wealthy, but yeah, they're pretty fucking wealthy, man. No, I mean, wealth to me is like. Okay, high income, high income, yeah, high income. High, high income, I would, I would say. Yeah. So, yeah. So, no, absolutely. I don't know. I mean. There's nothing wrong with targeting high income, high net worth. No, there's nothing wrong with it. But what I'm saying is, those are the people who precisely do not need a housing solution. Well, they, I think, you know, going back to what, you know, another podcast we were saying and what this definition of the American dream is. And as I said before, housing is changing. I have employees uh, that are boyfriend, girlfriend that um, they live six months in Austin and they live six months in. Colorado and they do this kind of nomadic thing and that's their that's their jam. They love that. They want that kind of experience. But but they're not there's no ownership involved in that. There's no other, you know, there there's a little bit of a hassle to that. If they can if if something can create a, a way of of living that kind of life. I don't know if I, you know, if I was younger, mm-hmm. um, you know, but my the way that I grew up and, you know, moving all, all the time that if I was single and younger and 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 let's say I was a developer making that kind of money that I wouldn't like this is great. Mhm. Right, I can just hop, you know, get in, get out, and then when I when I go to my pad, it looks like I'm a rock star because it's all designed really well. I got the Eames chair and you know, and and the lava lamp or whatever the fuck you know, is going on. Right, but, right. Um, that that wouldn't be a great a great opportunity for a lot of different people out there. I mean, knowledge workers, yes, making a lot of money, yes. Um, uh, it's just I another know, it's another play in this housing, this prop tech world we're living in. Right. I mean, it's just different. I guess all I'm saying is like. If you go into the property management, like, look, and this was maybe I'm biased because my obsession for the last few years has been uh, providing housing. Like, yeah. We just don't, you know, like there's people are really struggling, really, really hurting. Well, it's right. your definition of what housing is to you, though. I think you're I'm, say, I'm including rentals. I'm yeah. including rentals. Okay. There are, so you look at a city like Austin, right? Rents are going up 50 percent a year. You know, there are some people who are like, I just can't afford to live here anymore, right? Right. And I'm like, I don't know if flow is meant to be a solution for those people. I don't know if the, in other words, I don't know if the idea is, we know that these types of high-end amenities and communities exist. I lived in New York City, man, you know, and we paid it for a very high-end luxury apartment building. It wasn't flow, but it had a, you know, amazing gym and a pool and rooftop decks and all kinds of shit that as a New York city, you know, young person, like you're just not going to find this. Right. And this uh, building used to be an old YMCA, which is why they're able to offer a lot of this. So is the idea that we're going to bring that to sort of down market, right? We're going to bring that concept, this high level of amenity, community, happy hours, all this stuff, but to, you know, class B, class C buildings, right. For people who are making, 50, 60,000 a year, not 150, 160,000 a year. I don't think that's the idea. I think they're, I don't think that is either. That's my point. But I I don't know why, if that, is that a problem that they're, they're targeting high net worth or, you know, net worth or net or uh, people making a lot of money. (laughs) I mean, that sounds like, I mean, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to sell to those people too. Yeah, Yeah. What I'm saying is it's not, it's not like the level of disruption. Right. So, I guess as a general matter, like, I mean, a lot of cases where they start there, I mean, let's say Tesla started with a roadster, which is right. $200,000 to buy it. And then they they worked on that. And then how do we get it down? 
to the right. you know to now what they have the model you know the uh, the model C is it or model three three model three sorry and you know you have to start somewhere to kind of get to where you want to go right and right. there's a lot of businesses start at that high end um, to get into the market and then figure things out as they go along. I completely agree. And if that's what it is, and this would be really cool to watch. That's why I said, I don't know enough about flow, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know what Adam Newman told, you know, Mark Andreessen to have right. write a $350 million check. I doubt it's that we're going to create these awesome high-end communities, you know, for the modern yuppie. You know what I mean? Like right. that doesn't, it feels like it's something else. It feels like we're trying to solve a really big problem, which is housing and loneliness and blah, blah, for the vast majority of people, Right. Hopefully there's something like that in there. It's just, I, I haven't seen anything like that yet. And then the whole like renter to equity piece, it was just hinted at no details whatsoever. No details, right? no, for sure. And there, there are companies in our space that have been actively working on that specific yeah. thing. Like, D Diddy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Diddy. So we'll see, maybe, maybe Adam will borrow from all these different sort of other prop tech companies that have ideas and with this money, who's able to bring it? So it's like a Divi plus Picasso plus, you know, offer pad yeah. plus some sort of mortgage financing, you know. So, you know, who knows? I wish him all the luck in the world, right? Um, but that's all I meant. So you wouldn't have him in your room with uh, your, your wife alone. I get it. Yeah, I definitely, you know, based on what uh, Rich said, I would not uh, have him <laughs> in a room. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know. I suppose the only really sort of eyebrow raising thing there was that he managed to do this when other real estate and prop tech companies are just laying people off left and right. Right. So there's a little bit of that, you know, when you see like uh, better and Tomo and compass and Kel Williams, you know, all these companies are just like the market's changed time to let people go. And here it's like, I had $350 million. Like, just wrap this up. Well, I mean, you know, I think that I mean, that's you're talking. To, yeah, I mean, Adris and it's really Adris Horowitz. It's like they're betting on this. So, you know, timing. Yeah. Is, sometimes you don't have the ability to control time. We, you don't. Nobody has the ability to control time. So, um, I think uh, what I would say a little nuance to what you're saying is like, you know, it's really twofold. It's like getting getting any money right now during this time in prop tech. Mm -hmm. And then the size of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, if from that, from that particular VC firm, right. I mean, yeah, it is, yeah. it is that's, that's the headlines there for me. It's a, it's more yeah. than just the timing of it, but the amount and who. Right. Right. I mean, and then you all, just wonder what, what are his plans? Right. He's because, a fucking again, hypnotist. That's, it's, it's, but what I mean is A16Z is they're not stupid, right? This is well, the largest yeah. investment they've ever made. So he must have had, here's my vision, right? And it warranted this level of investment. Yeah. And and these guys, they're not, you know, they've been talking about housing for a while, more in the fintech space. I mean, yep. the bullet points he had about about in that blog post about how there's only really two two ways to in housing here in America today it was like one, you own everything, or yep. one, you just you don't own anything, right? Yeah. That's been Alex Rampell, who's who's yep. also one of their guys there who spoke about this and I was, was just thinking about him. It, he talked about that. That's a bullet point. He's talked about on a mini podcast, those two bullet points. And even in when they made their, were their investors in open door? I want to say, um, I want to say yes, sir. I want to say yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and I and know they were in Divi. Remember he was talking about how that one famous, uh, talk he did about, um, yeah. About exactly how software eats the world. Thing, yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and, and how it affects how, how software eats real estate really. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. So, so. Yeah. Great speech. They're really smart guys. And I think when Andreessen acts, other people listen. Um, so I, let's, let's end this, this segment on this, right? What I will say is $350 million in this environment, Andreessen wrote it, right? We don't know what Adam Newman's vision was. Okay. We know it had to have been compelling enough to convince a guy like Mark Andreessen and the rest of the team. Cause it wasn't, it's not just him. Right. Yeah. Like there's a whole investment committee and these are some of the smartest finance guys. These are some of the smartest investors. And they decided, you know what, whatever Adam Newman came up with, right, is warrants this, this investment. The reward is worth the risk. Right. Okay. The thing I'll say about that is those numbers should not be shocking when it comes to housing. 
Right. Right. Like, I, that's one of the things that frustrates me is um, even if you look at, say, crypto or whatever, like, there's all these companies, all these investors, all these people uh, putting whatever, 50, 60, 70 million dollars into some NFT marketplace. You know, and I'm like, look, man, housing, right? Housing is an essential good. And it's one where if you have some disruptive idea, you have something like whatever Adam Newman came up with, it really does change the world, right? Right. And the amount of money that's going to be required to do some of that stuff is going to be large, you know? But whatever it is, because we're talking about people's houses, we're talking about where, where people live, it's a big deal. So, I, you know, maybe it's big risk, but it's big opportunities. And I think some big investments like that does, it, maybe it's not crazy, you know, like an open door. It's not crazy. People are still knocking around. I'm like, but they, they have a track record of success. You know, like it, it is what it takes. This is what it takes, right? We're not, like I said, we're not changing food delivery. You know, like yeah. you could live without food delivery, guys, right? Yeah. We're not talking about NFTs and crypto. You could live without those things. Right? In fact, we're not even talking about like some latest electronic gadget, right? You can live without that. You yeah. cannot live without houses. Yeah. Right. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, that's just the generic thing. I, I think maybe the thing that we'll learn from it is whatever, uh, whatever Adam Newman's vision was convinced that, you know, Mark Andreessen was big enough. Some smart guys. And I'm like, you know what? We have some really smart guys in prop tech in our industry. Maybe they need to dream bigger. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's the secret. Maybe, some of the prop tech guys that are out there, they're not dreaming big enough to be able to go to Mark Andreessen and say, give me $300 million. I'm going to change the world. And here's how. I, I don't know. But yeah, we'll see. Hey, before we go to the next topic, can I have a little bit of follow-up? Yeah, of course. So one of our listeners had texted me um, about our Open Door and Zillow conversation, right? Yeah. And and this is uh, what you guys, if you haven't listened, go, go listen to that. But he posited... Do you think that we were talking about how this is, I was saying it was going to be really hugely beneficial for Open Door because they are now going to be able to feed their exclusive Open Door exclusive site, right? Right. And I guess you've been announcing there's going to be a lot of money being put into advertising that. But um, would it make sense for Open Door also to, ex to use Zillow as a way of promoting those exclusive also? Is there maybe there's another tab? Well, so I raised this in my blog post, right? I, if there was something like that, I would have said this makes sense. But there was no announcement like it. And right now, today, the way things are structured, Open Door would not get a benefit from putting those things on Zillow because it would end up on the non-MLS listings. Right. right. It would end up in the other tab. And Rex went out of business because their listings got put in the other tab. Uh, you know, uh breaking news i just wrote about this uh, i got um and this is on bender alley uh re colorado has just changed their policy right um and that they are now going to allow co-mingling right. on uh that's right IDX website so that's right um maybe maybe you know, this maybe maybe the dam is breaking here i mean uh maybe these sacred cows are going to be slaughtered so we'll Hats off to those guys because I think uh, we have to kind of like, how is innovation going to happen unless we like, we have all these things in our head. No, we can't do that. Right. Just, you know, everybody just goes blind when they hear these, these acronyms, but right. Maybe it's not going to be as bad as we thought it was going to be. So, and, and so good, good for them for like putting this out there and then we can see what happens. Maybe it's a bad yeah. idea. It's good. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's fantastic. And something that probably should have been done a while ago. Um, but you know, that's that's a whole other topic. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, the reason why I didn't quite agree with you is I don't think Open Door had any problems filling inventory for the exclusive program, right? Well, it's just, it's like, not problems. It's just going to be scale. There's going to be massive more scale than they had before. But what I mean is it's not like Open Door had, was having issues with, you know, getting scale. Like in Austin and Dallas, like they're still, they would, they could buy up every little thing if uh, they wanted to. I mean, you can't tell me that, they aren't going to massively have more product to sell because of their partnership with Zillow. Of course they are. No, they're not because they still have to buy the product. Right. But I mean, that's what they're in the business of doing. I mean, I know, but what I'm saying is they, they just announced that they're scaling back their buy significantly. So look, you might be right. Like, and, and you might be right in the following sense. They're now going like 
bargain hunting. Okay. Well, they're casting a wider net, right? And in a sense that like they only had opportunities to buy houses in these particular markets that were coming to them particular. But that's still the case after the Zillow Zillow can, what Zillow can do is there's a lot more people going to Zillow than would like look for. So So they can have a bigger bigger pool to kind of, to draw from, right? Right. So that's increased. But I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't see that as being this huge win because think about it. Let's put it this way. Let's say prior to the Zillow deal and prior to the market changing, they were buying one out of a hundred homes. Okay. Right. Now they're going to be buying one out of a thousand because the market's changed and they have to go bottom feed, right? They have to find those sellers that are willing to take a lower price. Okay. Right. Well, I mean, I would look at it this way. Like before they had a, they had a pool of a hundred homes to look at and only really one of those meet the criteria that they want. Right. Now they're going to be able to look at 75,000 homes. Okay. And they're going to find, hopefully they're going to find, you know, now they're going to find 10 homes that really, oh, this, these, these 10 homes are going to be really but good. But the criteria dropped is my point. But, okay, but, but, okay, let's say that they, okay, to use your example, let's say that they did this criteria drop and they were still right. looking at the, only the 100 bases of homes. Right, right, right. Really, so, right. So, so, so that's so, my point. <clears throat> But by, by planning this, hopefully the, the net is going to be much more homes than they would do before, even with this criteria freaking drop. And that's your point. And I'm saying, I don't know if that's a big win, right? It's, if anything, it's just, it just brings them back up, right? Well, I mean, I think it's, I, I, I'm hoping they think it's going to be a, a much, met, much more net positive in, in, in the number of homes that they can provide on, the, on that back on their, their exclusive site. So we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think your point has a lot more validity if, if Open Door is like, <clears throat> we're maintaining our buy box the same level that it was in April, okay? Because we have this fundamental belief. Now by adding, you know, whatever, 10x the amount of, of uh, volume at the top Thousand. of the funnels, right. <clears throat> we're going to now be able to buy 10 times the amount of houses, and then we'll have 10 times the amount of inventory that we can use for open door exclusives. If that's the logic, I'm like, okay, that's a pretty big win. Right. When they come out and say, look, the market's changed and we're go- we're really scaling back. We're gonna we're not gonna be buying as many homes, right? Because we don't want to lose a whole bunch of money. Okay, then stuffing the top of the funnel simply means you're trying to find, you know, find those desperate sellers, right? I guess that's good. I don't I don't know if I would call that like a big win. I don't know if I would, in other words, let's put it this way. My whole point is whatever Open Door gets from this deal, right, to me, does not equate to what they gave to Zillow to get the deal. And the biggest one from my mind, again, is, hey, Zillow, the fact that you don't have to do any sort of revenue share on the seller leads that you generated, that because of Open Door, that we know of, that's like, whoa, right? That's all. So look, if Open Door wants to get on, because I'm the biggest Open Door, no, second biggest. Tyler Oakland is the biggest. Exactly. Since I'm the second biggest Open Door bull, I'd, I'd love to know. Right? If one, no, 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 Rob, you're wrong. You know, for every seller lead revenue uh, Zillow generates from one of our inquiries, we're gonna get a 10% referral. Cool. That's a huge win. That's a big win. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm down with that. I think it's a big win with even without what you're talking about. But sure. that's that's our disagreement. <clears throat> that's right. Okay, sorry, I just wanted to have. No, no, it's good. It's yeah. it's good. Uh, you know, th- I'm surprised that we didn't get more comments actually from that from that uh, episode. Yeah. Uh, let's see if we could uh, change that and uh, get some comments. Oh, I mean, one. to be fair, I got I got a few people like saying, you know, we're we're totally um, on your side. They just thought it was a bigger a bigger thing for Zillow, right? Uh, and most of them were, most of them were on your side. Right. Whatever. Wait, whatever. Because I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> like, stop, stop characterizing my argument as open door law. I said, no, open door law. No, I know. I, I, it was yeah. a win-win, right? Yeah. All I think it was a win. Win. Win.
Hey everybody, I'm so happy to announce that we have a new sponsor for Industry Relations, and that's Earnest. Earnest is a secure, convenient digital payment system that allows for a fully digital transfer of funds in real estate transactions. So thank you, Russ, and please visit earnest.com. That's E-A-R-N-N-E-S-T.com. Thanks again. So, um, I thought we might dip into this topic just because I know it from past conversation, kind of where you stand. Okay. Realtor numbers. So I'll give you the genesis for this. This is all because I put something up on Twitter a while back, a couple of weeks ago, just, you know, and all I did was like numbers, right? Like 2010 to 2020 number of realtors or it's 2001, maybe, you know, it was like 740,000, right? And I think I picked it because it's looked like 2022, since the market is heading downwards, we're going to end the year with around 5 million home sales, right? Last year, we had over 6 million. Oh, wow. It's going to be as low as that. Five. It's going to be as low. That's what the current, yeah. 5.5 five is like what I thought was the, yeah. okay, 5 million. Wow. That, okay. That's what the current projections are coming in All at, right. right? So I went looked at the historic, historical numbers and I said, okay, that's like 2001 or something. It was around the same number, except we had half the number of realtors. So that's all I put out there, right? And all these people start like jumping in and uh, it's like, what's your point? And I'm like, I didn't really have a point, but I do now. <laughs> like, I went and dug into a little bit. Um, so I thought I'd share this with you and then we'll just talk about it. All right. <clears throat> so these are actual numbers, right? So tw in 2000, and I went with 2011 because one of the things I realized was if you look at the number of realtors over time, if you go from 2000 on, like the bubble is, is a real thing. You know, the bubble years from 2001 to about 2007, like everything just went nuts. And then after 2007, because of the collapse of the bubble, things were just really whack wacky, right? right? So I said, if you actually look at 2011, it's when the, we started the recovery from sort of the collapse, right, to 2021, that 10-year period is actually a pretty decent time frame. That's, my, that's what I look at. So here are the actual numbers, right? So million, and by the way, for people who are listening just on the podcast, another reason why you want to come check us out on YouTube, right? Million, it start, it dips a little bit, and then it starts adding, adding, adding. So, 20 so 2011, we're about a million. 2011, 2012, we're at about a million. And then, right. and then you add, add, add to 2021, where it's 1.5. million, yeah. right? And I think 2022, we broke 1.6 million, but I don't, I don't have the full 22 data. And then the existing home sales go from 4.2 million in 2011 to 6.1 million in 2021. Now, we both know 2021 was one of the craziest housing markets we'd ever seen. Right. right. <laughs> so it is what it is. But and then the median sale price goes from 166 to 350,000. Right. <clears> so more than doubled. However, right. in real dollar terms, it didn't quite double. So long story short, here's what I kept to, right? <clears throat> when you look at real GCI per realtor, real meaning inflation adjusted. So in 2020 in $2011, right? 2011 dollars. The uh, average realtor in 2021 made 68,398. Again, that's real dollar terms because in nominal it was 82, right? Uh, so change over 10 years would have been 63%. Okay. So the average realtors per, per realtor, real gross commission income up 63% over a 10 year period, which is really strong, right? That, that's a pretty solid performance. But here's where things get interesting. I mean, and, and just before you continue, yeah. right? So the past three years, two years have been anomalies, right? The pandemic has made these house prices go crazy. I mean, there was an article yep. about how much increased just from one year over for, for realtor income. Yep. So yep. The, you've got to give a caveat that there's some, some you know, force majeure <laughs> sure. type of things going on here. But yeah, sure. go ahead. But I'd say we could pick 2018, right? So if you say before any of that, in 2018, the real GCI per realtor was up 30% from yeah, 2011. Okay. okay. Yeah, so All right. In half of that. Yeah. So here's the thing that I, the thought experiment, thought experiment is that I call it the steady scenario. What if in 2011, right, 
NAR and you know state and locals and whatever we just said, we're going to put in a policy. We're just going to keep the numbers the same level. So however you do that, you know, uh, increase code of ethics compliance, uh, make it harder for people to become realtors, make it harder for people to begin to realize right. whatever, whatever they do, we're going to keep the numbers the same, right? If you do that by 2021, right, the average realtor, their GCI in real dollar terms would have been up 151%. What would it be in, in 2019? <clears throat> 2019, it would have been up 80%. Yeah, I think versus, that's a better a no, better versus, way. I would I would take out the the pandemic. last two years. Fine. So let's yeah. just look at the 2019 years and I'll highlight yeah. these, right? So uh without that, it would have been up 80%. Uh, so the, the reality is like 30%, one, right. 151, but I mean crazy still, yeah. Right. 80% instead of 29%. Okay. Right. So I did a third scenario. I said, okay, what if NAR, you know, MLS, as we all as an industry said, we're going to shrink the number right, by 2% a year. Again, real high standards, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever rules you do, right? So let's get 2019 once again, 111%. Yeah. Okay. And that's with 860,000 realtor members. Right. And so the, and then the case, pandemic is just accelerated because your, your number correct. for 2021 is 207%. Jeez. Correct. Right. Yeah. So the thing that kind of occurred to me was this. Like, no one is going to say that NAR is not the number one trade organization because you only have a million members. You're still the largest and the most powerful by a long shot. If NAR had 860,000 members, no one in the country is going to be like, oh, you're, you're meaningless and powerless. You're still the most powerful trade organization, housing lobby in the entire country, Right. So the question is this, and, and I raised this to you because, yeah, we could get rid of this. Um, we'll, bring, we'll, we'll, we'll bring the spreadsheet back if we need to. But, you know, you've always been a huge fan of equating like industry success with a number of realtors, right? Like in our past, when we talk about it, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but look at I mean, NAR membership I mean, numbers, right? No, when, I think if NAR can show that I have a million five members, that's going to, that's, they can move their weight around. Right. With TC and everything in their lobbying efforts for sure. Right. Yeah. But so here's the question. But you always thought it's a, it's a positive indication for the industry as a whole. My question is now that we've seen that, do you still think that? Are the are more realtors actually good? Are, are, is it better for I, the I don't industry? think that I think two things can be this it can be right, you know, and not be wrong. I mean, I don't think they're mutual in this so in this sense. Absolutely. And I think we talked about this offline. The more realtors are good for associations, mm -hmm. um, MLSs, and vendors, right? Some vendors, yeah. Some vendors on a SaaS kind of thing yeah. uh, model, right? So, sure, right? The, let's just talk about from the top, from NAR. Now, they have more members. That means they have yep. more dues. That means they have yep. more money, which means they, they can exert more influence in the way that they want to do business, the way that we're kind of sort of. Well, I mean, more, you're, if you're going to argue me that like m less, um, less money, I mean that that you're going to increase your in your influence with less money, then I don't know what you're saying. No, 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 no. What I what I mean, what I say, kind of, sorta, is it has to do with like election finance law, which is why NAR still does RPAC, right? Even with the increased use. Okay, okay, but RPAC. If you have more members, you have a better ability know, to but, raise more money. But that's the thing. RPAC is separate from NAR. Which is why NAR goes and tells realtors you should invest in RPAC. That's all, and it's a it's a technical point. There's only certain things you but can. The number, do with but more members membership. needs more money for all that shit. Whether it's NAR, it needs more money for lobbying, for sure. Yes, which for is sure. more influence. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that's all I'm saying there is that it's yeah. it's more money for more influence. So I think yeah. that is a good thing, absolutely. If you believe that NAR is a good steward for their membership on, on getting the right things done in legislative and policies and laws or whatever to do that for sure. Now, um, can it be that that also has some negative effects in the industry? Absolutely. Right. We, you know, there, there's, you know, uh, unprofessionalism. There's, you know, a lot of realtors out there that are kind of just yahoos in a way, right. That are not really, that are part-timers that are only there for, or for whatever reasons that are not really helping things out. 
right? So as we were talking about earlier, there was that famous speech we talked of or that talk he had about software reading real estate where the mode of zero. was zero in the state of Washington yeah. infers the number of transactions being done there. So when you have one side of the, uh, one side of the uh, equation is being represented by somebody who's done like 50 transactions a year and one that's done zero, that's going to cause a lot of problems, right? So I do think, yes, there is, I can't, I don't think you can argue that having more money is going to help the industry go forward. If you believe NAR is a good steward, but, that absolutely can have repercussions. Sure. I think the the thing that, and yeah, well, obviously we've been talking about raise the bar for the entire time I've been in real estate, but it's always been phrased in terms of professionalism. It's always been phrased in terms of, you know, things like brand and consumer experience. You know, I've never heard a phrase and I didn't know until I did this analysis myself is the impact to the average member, right? Right. The average member of NAR in 2011 basically lost two-thirds of the increase in GCI income, right? Because of the increase in number, membership. In other words, they went from being up uh, 30%, so using 2019 numbers, right? In reality, GCI per realtor went up 30%, right? Right, right, right. Hold on, hold on. So let's, let's go back to this Washington State example. Yeah. What do you think the mode, right? Not the medium, not the average, yeah. the mode yeah. of... <laughs> I'm sure it's zero. Okay. So, so you can't just, when you say the average and, and we're going to say the motive, all that is going to be zero. It's not, you're not an apples to apples kind of thing going on here. I mean, I get the point, but we all know it's, it's the 80, 20 rule, the 90, 10 rule, whatever we want to call it. Right. So, right. And and I, I agree with your, your overall premise that if there were less realtors, that means the better realtors are going to make more money for sure. Right. Um, but but the, what are the consequences of that happening? Is the consequences of having less members mean we have less, less influence in Washington as you know, for NAR? Yes. What, what, okay. I don't know what the balance is. I don't know what the balance is. It's a good point, though. It, it, so it's one of those things I never thought about from an actual revenue standpoint. Right. And I guess I raised this because I'm about to go speak to a bunch of realtor associates. And I think one of the things I'm going to start asking is, um, what is member benefit? Right. And, right. you know, you and I have spent enough time on this side to know. Sorry. Hey, shut up. <laughs> My dog is barking. Um, hey, dogs are, dogs are good on yeah. podcasts. Uh, so, you know, it's typically done in terms of we're going to give this tool, we're going to give this training. Right. And I'm like, well, wouldn't a member benefit be your members made two thirds more money? Isn't that the most important benefit? Again, going back to this mode conversation, it's, you know, it's, wouldn't it be great if the top 10% of your members made more money? Yeah, it would be. But but is it? I mean, I don't know. Like, how do we, then do we need to have that study, right? Look, I'm happy to crunch the numbers and somebody wants to provide the numbers to me. Yeah. Right. But you know, and no. I know that that never, they never released that info. Right? Yeah. It's, listen, getting actual churn count, churn data from this industry yeah. is, yeah. talk about coveted so, data. Jesus. But it's 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 like a, just a basic look. You can slice and dice. We could talk around it. Fact of the matter is, having a third more people who are realtors, right, definitely impacted those people who were realtors 2011. So looking forward, here we are in 2022. We're about to have a market turn. Things are going to get you know pretty ugly, right? There's a question to be raised: Isn't it then better for your current membership? to make it harder for people to become realtors. Yeah. And again, it's a double-edged sword because you, you're going to gain something for sure. And you're going to lose something for sure. So that it's always like anything else. The answer isn't black and white. It's about, it's a nuanced conversation. Right. It's what that right balance is, is, you know, is it, what it is. Hopefully the, these past couple of years with this membership has shot up that NAR is kind of putting away those member dollars as a work <laughs> that they can, you know, use that later on in some yeah. And I mean, it's not just you know, NAR, right? I mean, it's state yeah. and locals as well. Yeah. You know, it's everybody. I mean, if NAR is successful on keeping things pretty status quo with these lawsuits and everything else and policies, you know, would they have been able to do that with only, you know, the membership dollars coming in from 700,000 members? We can't, we don't know the answers to those questions, right? I mean, um, but yeah. the point, it's like, does it make, okay, so you have 1.6 million members, the mode is zero. 
and we, you and I both know half the subscribers to any MLS, you know, in the last year had done zero transactions. Right. Like, we all know this. I mean, is this just a, 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 is this just a semantic difference? I guess way to think about it, right? In other words, if the 80, 20 thing holds, then really 20% of the realtor members are, are your real members. Yeah. Yeah. And the 80% are just what? Like, yeah hangers on again just, it's just money traps like you just need to collect the dues dollars from them like again, it is? yeah i mean i don't think that's a that's a kind of you know cynical way of looking at it i mean in right. a way, i don't want to look at it that way uh, you know, again and I, I've, I've said this before but it's a very aspirational business right what we're in and i don't think there's anything wrong with that right and if that means that you know we're, we have a big tent and we're allowing a lot of people in here to kind of make, see if they can make that dream happen. What is wrong with that? But it is a hard gig. It's a commission only sales job, right? Um, and not everybody's going to make it, but you know, the way that we've glamorized this on, on Bravo TV and mm -hmm. everything else is making more, more people wanting to get in here. Uh, the pandemic has obviously accelerated that. Um, yep. I, I don't know. You know, it's, it, yes, we can raise the bar. Um, but you know, again, it's 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 aspirational. People, you know, they, I'm going to make money in real estate, and I'm cool with it. And I think we got a hard stop coming up. So I'll, let's. And I'm not suggesting it be otherwise. I think what's interesting is we've been talking about raise the bar forever, ever, forever. I've never. So the only thing I want to introduce new is part of the raise the bar conversation should be what is the financial impact on the current member? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. right? Not the future member. Yeah. the current member yeah. and some of this data. And again, I could be wrong and who the hell knows? Like, I don't care, but we don't talk about it. And I think it's worth at least thinking about, right? Yeah. Like raising the bars and for the consumers and for the realtor brand, it's actually for your current member. Right. Yeah. So in any event, uh, this is cool, man. I yeah. can't believe we got that, got an hour out of fucking Adam Newman. <laughs> <laughs> realtor member numbers. <laughs> Well, I'm telling you this, this topic I know is going to hit a lot of people too about their opinions because yeah, um, you're, you, you, you raise fascinating point. Right. But I mean, and, and hopefully people yeah. are just, you know, here's the thing, man. Hopefully people aren't just driving around their car wanting to yell at me. Hopefully they'll, you know, write in or they'll comment or, you know what I mean? Like we want to have conversations. Right. Yeah. So hopefully that, well, it's, that it's always, it's always what I say. It's like, I think we, you and I have been given permission for somehow to talk our, our speak our minds. And a yeah. lot of, a lot of our listeners do not have that same permission. So no, they do not. <laughs> All right, brother. Uh, so I'll see you, guess, next, uh, hmm? see you uh, next. next Friday, man. In my yeah, town, yeah. we're going to do this live and hopefully we'll see a couple of our, our loyal listeners at yeah. the event as well. Absolutely. All right, man. All right. Thanks everybody. Thanks everybody.